Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where stop with the gritties and the silly celebrations, put your stripper gun away, jaw, and stop punching kids in the face. (laughs) It's time for the Lakers to put these kids in their rightful place. Oh, that rhymed. I didn't even mean for it to do that. Anyways, (laughs) it is our round one playoff burden to bear. Grizzlies bear. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alan Riley. And Alan, we are talking Lakers playoff basketball again. I'm talking a legit playoff game with full-on crowds and Figueroa Street bumping. First full-capacity playoffs in LA featuring LeBron and AD since the pandemic. Feels like olden days. Feels almost like we need to bust out the Lakers car flags again. It feels familiar, and it's nice once again to cover a Lakers first-round series. Have you wrapped your head around that yet? Um, no, <laughs> like, I, I feel like as far as like us being there in the first round, yes, in terms of us, quote unquote, covering it. Uh, no, I have not thought about that until right now. So it's a, it's a great time to start talking about it. I mean, we covered it during the pandemic, but obviously because of that run and because of the state of society, it felt a lot different, right? We were all oh, yeah. holed up in our homes, but now it's like, Everybody's out and about. L.A. feels like L.A. Crypto.com slash Staples feels like when Kobe was here. So it's insane. Anyways, this episode is going to be quick, swift, and no frills. This is our Memphis Grizzlies round one preview, so let's get into it. Alan, what are your overall thoughts on this matchup against the Grizzlies? Obviously, John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, and Jaron Jackson Jr.'s athleticism and physicality are scary to think about. Xavier Tillman has also been a big contributor for them this year in uh, Stephen Adams' absence. Tyus Jones has been deadly off the bench, as he's always been. And then the big new X factor is Luke Kennard from the Clippers, who, after that trade, Luke Kennard has been an absolute flamethrower from three-point land. Um, having said that, I do think the Memphis Grizzlies on paper are actually worse than they were last year, taking into account the fact that, unfortunately, Stephen Adams isn't going to be there because he's injured, and he has been injured. Brandon Clark is also out for the season. You can even argue that not having DeAnthony Melton, who they had last year, is also a big loss for them, both perimeter defense-wise and he was also a good three-point shooter, although maybe you can argue that since Luke Kennard is there, it's sort of a wash between him and DeAnthony Melton. But overall, I don't know. I still think 
if we're healthy and we have enough gas left in the tank that our experience and our size, given the fact that Steven Adams, Brandon Clark won't be there, should still help us eke this out. But what are your overall thoughts on this matchup against the Grizzlies? Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting matchup. I, I feel like everyone is kind of focusing just surface level of, oh, this very youthful, you know, brash team, whereas the Lakers have... I mean, we're not like some old team actually at this point, but yeah, we have like playoff vets been there before. Um, so there's a little bit of contrast of that, of the Grizzlies probably feeling to an extent like they're the underdogs just because we are the Lakers. Um, but I feel pretty good about it. I, I think it's going to go deep. <laughs> um, I, I do think that in terms of, some interesting matchups in the series, and I'm sure we, we can get into specifics at some point and just throughout the series too. But um, I think that, we, yeah, we have some advantages there with some of the players that they have out, especially Steven Adams. Um, I think that, yeah, AD against Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be really fun to watch. At this point, for however long we go in the playoffs, every team is going to double AD the second he touches the ball. And yeah. guys got to move off of it. Guys got to be knocking down shots, and if they're not, they need to cut. And uh, obviously Memphis is known as a good defensive team, but I'm sure we mm-hmm. can exploit you know, a lot of their players. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I feel pretty optimistic <laughs> about it. I'm not going to make some prediction, but I wouldn't be shocked if we came out of it, you know, mm-hmm. in, into the second round. I'm going to force you to make a prediction by the end of this episode. So hold that thought. Do you have any thoughts on (laughs) Hold that. Carlos Booth, a shout out. Um, Do you have any thoughts on anything the Lakers can do to sort of gain the advantage? You mentioned, you know, keeping the offense moving and having guys cut on AD doubles. But anything stand out to you about how the Lakers, quote unquote, could win? Obviously, it's not one thing. But some things that I thought about would be. One, get JJJ into foul trouble because he has a propensity to get into foul trouble. And I know this from putting multiple player prop bets on him this season. (laughs) And then all of a sudden seeing he only played 25 minutes or all of a sudden seeing, wait, why does this dude only have two points at the half? Oh, it's because he has three fouls. So kind of like what we saw from Cat in the playing game, that's Jaron Jackson Jr. the entire season. So if we can exploit that and if AD can exploit that, even though he is the defensive player of the year candidate, et cetera, et cetera, he gets into foul trouble a lot. So we need to take advantage of that because he's their only real legitimate big who possesses the qualities that he does on both ends of the floor. And then my other big key X factor, Alan, is we got to let Dylan Brooks go off script and play wildly, man. We got to Westbrook Dylan Brooks and allow him, give him the confidence to take over the offense from the Memphis Grizzlies because if the ball is in Brooks' hands versus Desmond Bain or John Morant's hands, we're doing something right, you know? So we almost have to let him shoot that shot. And to an even lesser extent, maybe Westbrook Morant a little bit because I'd rather force him to take outside shots than beat us in the paint, just knifing in and out, getting fouls on us, and then all of a sudden the Grizzlies are an early foul situation, you know what I mean? Like, this is the team that I feel like outside of Desmond Bain, that I'm actually willing to maybe bait them into shooting some threes and killing us from the outside. I may be wrong because I haven't looked at the stats of their team. Maybe they're like one of the best three-point shooting teams. But when it comes to Morant and um, 
Dylan Brooks, I'd willingly give up that shot versus having them go into the paint. Obviously, Luke Kennard, Desmond Bain stick the hell on them, but those other two, um, I will pick my poison that way. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think those are really good takes. Um, I feel like I'm trying to remember kind of the season series against Memphis. Alan, guess what? I have that info for you. So oh before you God. go, look at the synergy. <laughs> the Lakers played three games against the Grizzlies this year. We actually won the season series two to one, but it's hard to really take anything away from those games because we've been so many different teams <laughs> in this one yeah. season alone. For example, one team wasn't even the current Lakers. Exactly, and and kind of same for the Grizzlies because the first game in January, Anthony Davis didn't play. But Steven Adams was playing, and the Lakers pulled out that win by one with LeBron and Westbrook actually scored 29 points off the bench, and Austin Reeves wasn't even playing that game. Mm. So completely different team, but we won that game by one. And then obviously after the trade deadline, we went into Memphis. AD had that monster 28.19 rebound game, but then we gave up 28 points to John Morant in the third quarter and ended up losing, right? And then our last game was the Pow jersey celebration ceremony, but obviously the Grizzlies didn't have John Morant. All I know is in both the games that AD played without Steven Adams, he beasted. 29 and 18 in Memphis, 30 and 22 at home versus Memphis during that Pow Gasol game, and now he'll have LeBron James next to him. Okay, yeah. Um that that makes me feel better. Um yeah, with Jaw, because obviously that's like you almost it's not that you're going to concede, you know, to him, but he's going to find a way to get his he's going to drive it into the paint. So like you said, if you can force him to stay out beyond the three point line, um, you let him right. You make him make those shots. But our, our defensive coverage, I mean, this is why it's great that Schroeder, you know, has been playing so well. Um, I would imagine defensively he could do a pretty good job of staying in front of him and, and kind of hounding him. Um, but whatever our, our pick and roll coverage is going to be with him and, and AD and like Vanderbilt, you know, he's a pretty versatile defender. So that'd be kind of interesting to see what he can do. But um, yeah, I feel like what I worry about a little bit with jaw, cause he's so creative is just our ability to stay disciplined <laughs> on defense um, and, and not like lose focus and cheat and, and just do kind of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I could see them like going, to the well frequently once they exploit <laughs> that type of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so a lot of it's going to come down to in-game coaching adjustments too. Um, that's kind of the chess aspect of this. will be fun to watch. Yeah. I think the big swing piece for the Lakers will be their health and how much gas they have left. Because if we're just running on fumes, that not only affects how hard we can go on the court physically, but it also inevitably affects your basketball IQ and how cleanly or sloppily you play the game. Right. And Let me tell you, Alan, you do not want to be sloppy against the Grizzlies and get them out into transition. So kind of along those same lines, we need to be able to hit some outside shots because if we have that performance that we did in the playing game against Minnesota against the Grizzlies and we're back rimming all of these long shots, Alan, guess what those long shots turn into? Outlets. (laughs) Outlets for the freaking Memphis Grizzlies where John Morant is reverse windmilling on us, you know? So we can't have that happen. Um, we have to limit those, limit our turnovers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, before we take it to break, let's talk matchups. Are there any that you're, any matchups that you're particularly keying in on? Obviously we Tina have Rant versus Shannon Sharp. <laughs> 
that is maybe gonna come back into play although i don't know if Shan- shaden what was his name shannon sharp i don't yeah. know if he's welcome back to, <laughs> to like crypto. <laughs> yeah we don't know but that's a good one obviously we've got ad versus jaron jackson jr maybe it's ad versus xavier tillman in which case ad should destroy him maybe we've got lbj against tillman maybe sometimes jjj that should be interesting but yeah that's where lebron james can exploit jjj's uh foul tendencies obviously i'm most worried about delo and morant and the physicality strength speed gap there although delo will probably not be matched up against uh morant one-on-one he'll probably take desmond bain or dylan brooks probably bain more of the shooter there's reeves versus baines there's the battle of the bench guard schroeder versus tyus which is an intriguing Mm. battle of the bench bigs maybe between Rui and santi aldama is there any one matchup that you're keying in on for better or for worse in terms of maybe you're concerned about this? Um, I mean, we already talked about for better, which is obviously AD versus their bigs. So that's obvious one. I think throwing whoever <laughs> at jaw, I mean, it's going to be a team effort. You know, it, it's not going to come down to a one-on-one. At most, it'll be Dennis Schroeder. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle just rotations and matchups since Dennis is coming off the bench. Um, and then obviously Jaws a starter. So um, it's just going to be a lot of switching, <laughs> you know, and guys who can guard multiple positions, one through three, four, whatever it is. And um, just got to force jaw to, <clears throat> like you said before, kind of like stay on the perimeter. But when he inevitably drives, we need that rim protection. Be interesting to see if Mo Bamba gets some run, you know, for that purpose, because right now uh, we're, we're a little bit thin in um, our front court. So, Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see what the paint protection kind of looks like, too. Yeah, I think you just got to try and make him uncomfortable. And one template that I would like to draw back on would be kind of what we did against Devin Booker and the Suns during one of those last uh, regular season games. And this is why I kind of highlight Jared Vanderbilt versus Morant. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but Vando was actually the primary defender against Devin Booker, but he was only 50% the primary defender. The other times on Devin Booker, we were giving him different looks. We would throw Schroeder at him. We would throw Austin Reeves at him. We would throw Troy Brown at him at times, you know, Mm. just to give Booker all of these different looks where he'd have to adjust his expectation, right? Um, Harass him, make him uncomfortable. And then all of a sudden, oh, Vando's back with his length. I don't know if he can necessarily stick with John Morant because John Morant is like 6'3". He's so quick. He's so athletic. But... I think, like you mentioned, giving him a revolving door of different defenders just to give him different looks and throw him off base may be the best bet, but we shall see. With that said, let's take it to break, and when we return, let's close the show out. One, Alan, I'm going to ask you for your Game 1 predictions. You're going to have to give one. Seven-game series. We're going to give our series predictions, and then we'll close it out by talking a little bit about the Lakers' collective playoff experience and whether... We're concerned about any of the players who adequately lack that experience. So we will catch you guys after the break. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, Alan, we are back. Um, quick question. Very simple. How does game one go on Sunday? Is that a win or a loss? God damn. Um tell by my voice i i think it's a loss <laughs> to be honest uh i think memphis comes out strong they got a really great home court advantage um not that we're going to be riding in like a emotional high at that point that's going to work against us but I, I just think it's a tough game to win i'm mm-hmm. hoping that we win game two and then come back home for the split take home court advantage away from them yeah i unfortunately agree with you on the one hand, like I pointed out before, the Grizz haven't played a competitive game in a while. The Lakers actually have the advantage when it comes to the rust factor and more recently playing in a high-stakes game. And actually, even the last few games of the Grizzlies' regular season, they were rotating resting guys in and out. And also, they have that weird John Morant drama that they've had to juggle and in reintegrating him into the team. So there are actually some factors that go in the Lakers' favor, not the least of which would be they're finally getting some rest, right? But to your point, the Lakers are also older. They're the less athletic team. And as I've mentioned before, I've seen time and time again this season that when the Lakers get more than one day off in between games, they just come out the next game looking completely flustered, like they've forgotten to play basketball. And it really takes them a half to find their bearings again. And maybe that'll work at home at Crypto. But can you imagine them trying to find their bearings on the road against a raging Memphis crowd? If we don't start off strong, I think that's a wrap on the game and it starts to snowball pretty quickly from there, right? So I agree with you. Game one is probably a loss. I hope I'm wrong. And I could be if anybody saw LeBron James post-game interview where he started talking about the entire Grizzlies roster. (laughs) And I was like, You're probably not thinking about the the Grizzlies just yet, but... (laughs) So, I mean, LeBron's on top of his game. And I guess to counteract our argument, it's like this is the first time we're going to see this coaching staff have this much time to just hone in on one opponent, right? So we'll see tactically what we've sort of schemed up here. So right now, though, looks like a game one loss. Now, for the series prediction, Alan, where do you have this landing at? You said it'll go long, but how long? Lakers in seven. Ooh, okay. So they're going to win on the road. Yep. 
Wow. Okay. And any any additional caveats or explanations as to why? Um, I think that I, I, at first I was going to say maybe beyond game one, it's going to be a lot of close games. Um, I, I could see just like any playoff series where maybe two out of seven games are pretty comfortable wins, you know, like not necessarily blowouts, but you win by like double digits. Um, so you just kind of trade back and forth. But uh, I, I could see like games five, six and seven, you know, for that matter, being kind of slugfestish, um, a little bit like last night, hopefully not that freaking ugly, but very possible that it is like that. Um, I wanted to say six, but I yeah, I don't know. I think it has like seven games written all over it. I think a lot of these playoff series just across the board are actually going to go pretty long because there aren't like definitive you know, advantages mm. from uh, one seed to the next. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, okay, I think on paper, I want to say the Lakers with their size and experience win in six games at home, but that's on paper, not contextualizing our season. Contextualizing our season, given how grueling a season it has been for AD and LeBron, I really worry about how much left they have in the tank to go up against these athletic, scrappy Grizzlies. It almost reminds me of a Kobe Powell Artest era Lakers on their last legs versus the OKC mm. Thunder with Westbrook, Harden, and Durant. You know, you could see the tides turning and you're like, oh, yeah. they're just way more athletic than us. And so, yeah, I don't know. If we were 100% healthy and we didn't have to go through the grueling season that we did, I'd probably still have us. But like you, I say this goes seven games and the Lakers managed to eke through with a little bit of Adam Silver help to make sure we get a Curry versus LeBron second round. I can't believe I admitted that, but, you know, I'm gonna. And a lot of it depends, Alan, on if the Lakers can just get a split in Memphis, those first two games, right? If they get that split, then maybe I change my thoughts and say we have a legit shot of closing this out in six at home. But as of now, I'll say Lakers in seven. All right. To close this episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about playoff experience and ask you whether you're worried about anyone in particular. I'll go through a really quick rundown of playoff experience of our roster. So I'm not going to include LeBron James and Anthony Davis for obvious reasons. They've been to the playoffs multiple times. Um, Dennis Schroeder has been to the playoffs seven times, um, though the first three times he was a strictly limited role player, but seven times is a lot of experience outside of the fact that Dennis Schroeder also routinely plays for Team Germany, right? This past summer, he played Eurobasket and went pretty far in the tournament and had a couple big clutch shots and stuff. So uh, Dennis Schroeder, lots of playoff experience. We're not worried about him. He's a gamer, yada, yada, in spite of the fact that he had 0 for 9 against the Suns uh, two years ago. Next most experience would be Tristan Thompson. Six times in the playoffs, he won a ring in 15-16. And then after that, Alan, it gets very dismal in terms of playoff experience. We've got D'Angelo Russell, who's been to the playoffs twice, once with the Brooklyn Nets and then once last year with the Minnesota Timberwolves. There, They went six games versus this Memphis Grizzlies team that we're about to face. Malik Beasley has gone to the playoffs twice, once with the Denver Nuggets and then once last year with D'Angelo Russell as well. Rui Hachimura has gone once to the playoffs, Um, with the Wizards during the 2020-21 season. That was the Westbrook season where he led the Wizards into the play and without Bradley Beal being available for much of the season. And actually, 
Rui Hachimura in five games during that playoff series averaged 15 points, seven rebounds, 61% from the field, hitting almost two threes a game. game. So he played pretty well in his first stint. Now, obviously, he was a starter then, and he won't have the same role that he did with the Wizards on this team, but it's just interesting. It's an interesting note to file away that in his first stint, Rui did really well, and some of his best games include like a 20-point, 13-rebound game, a 21-point, 6-rebound game. So, I mean, good on Rui, right? And he had that great game against the Minnesota Timberwolves in the play, and so maybe he's more ready than we thought. So, yeah, Rui's only been there once and is about to enter his second year. Vanderbilt only once last year. Wenyan Gabriel's been there once, famously against us in the bubble where he made his name for playing AD tough with the Portland Trailblazers. Um Lonnie Walker only once in 2018-19 when he averaged one point, so really he didn't play. Um, Troy Brown once last year with the Bulls, only played 12 minutes. Shaq Harrison once with the Denver Nuggets in 2020-21, barely played. And then the guys with no playoff experience, Austin Reeves, Max Christie, Mo Bamba. So given that landscape, who are you most worried about playoff-wise out of this crop of relatively inexperienced players or Who are you most interested in seeing whether they can rise to the occasion, I guess? Man, uh, lots of interest. I I think kind of a low-hanging fruit one is Austin Reeves. I mean, he's played Mm -hmm. so well, you know, to end the season, probably averaging close to 20 points per game, if not right around 20 or above it. Just playing really solid. You know, the game against Minnesota was rough for him, but hopefully that was like, okay, that was the taste of it. Now get your bearings, just go back to doing what it is that you do best. So I want to see, um, yeah, Austin just be himself. And, and the thing is, like, in the playoffs, the game slows down notoriously. And I think that uh, that can be beneficial for Austin, um, although he is someone who likes to push it, right? Like, when we can get defensive stops, force turnovers, and he's out in transition, throwing lobs to LeBron and things like that, that's kind of when he's at his best, um, kind of developing that type of chemistry. So, if we can do it on the defensive end, that puts him in those positions. Um, obviously, the game against Minnesota didn't have any op- opportunities like that. And then in terms of like someone I'm concerned about, I mean, I know we talked about D'Lo in the last episode. And I'm not concerned about him, but you know, he runs kind of hot and cold, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's nothing new, though. And I don't think that the variable is, okay, this is the first round of the playoffs. That's why he might be having an off game, necessarily. Um, and like we already mentioned, that the one outlier, super-duper anomaly of him playing pretty poorly against Minnesota, let's just hope that that's what it was, and um, you know, an outlier. So I, I wouldn't say I'm terribly concerned about him, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's ups and downs there. Um, yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think for Reeves, it'll be interesting to see how he responds to the pace of the playoffs, whether it's too quick for him or it slows to a halt and teams really bear down on him, especially a good defensive team like the Grizzlies for a seven-game series, right? Like, they can really game plan and scheme against Austin Reeves. How is he going to respond to that? I know he's going to give his all and he's always going to play with effort, but... We've seen Austin Reeves when he gets out physical and he's too sped up. He's getting turnovers left and right, you know? Um, Can he push through that inevitable playoff rookie wall? I'm encouraged by the fact that Reeves, pretty much since the trade deadline on when LeBron James had that injury, 
what's pretty much relied upon to be our primary creator, shot creator, right? And it's crazy that we were relying on an undrafted sophomore player to lead this team into the play-in, but that's essentially what we did. And I'm encouraged by the fact that he's at least been in multiple high-leverage important games. I mean, by the end of it, every game was a high leverage game, right? And Austin Reeves pulled through in each one of those. So I'm hoping he can sort of psych himself into that mindset. Like this isn't anything new. I've been doing this the last two months anyways, with the pressure on, but you know, the playoffs is a different beast. So we'll see. Um, with, with regards to D'Angelo Russell. So when he played in the playoffs with Brooklyn, he actually pre- played pretty well. points, 3.6 rebounds, 3.6 assists, 1.4 steals. Now, his percentages sucked, 36% from the field, 32% from three, though he did hit 2.4 a game. Um, They actually took the Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid Sixers to five games where they won that game one stunner in Philadelphia. He had two 26-point games during that run. Um, But yeah, obviously the, the... playoff series that people point to with D'Angelo Russell is his series against the Grizzlies last season where he faltered. And it's funny that we actually have very tangible playoff data for D'Angelo Russell against the Grizzlies. That's a team he played six games against in the playoffs last year, and it's not encouraging. He had 12 points, 2.5 rebounds, 6.7 assists though, 1.5 steals on 33% from the field. (laughs) 39% from three, hitting two a game, so that's good. But kind of goes back to my point, D'Angelo needs to find a way to diversify his game more. Um, His best game against the Memphis Grizzlies was a 22.5 rebound, eight assist game in game three. So it's clearly not like too far from D'Angelo's grasp to have a bang out game like that. It's, It's just that, can we get that consistency? Hopefully if he's slotted down better with LeBron James and Anthony Davis to take the pressure off, he can rise to the occasion. Um, one thing that I'm encouraged about is, as I mentioned, I think on paper, the Memphis Grizzlies were a better team last year and had better rim protectors like Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, and even Kyle Anderson. I think that's a guy that I forgot to mention at the top of this episode, yeah. who is very important to the Memphis Grizzlies, right? All that length. I think that added to bothering D'Angelo Russell in the mid-range or whenever he'd drive into the paint. So without those guys and without D'Anthony Melton, maybe D'Lo can exploit their defense better as that secondary creator or even third creator with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And all he has to do is sort of attack the closeout, right? So I'm very interested in seeing how D'Angelo Russell can sort of quote unquote, what's that phrase? He can beat the allegations, you know, of him not, Mm. not being a playoff contributor being uh, up to the moment. So, but overall, I'm still pretty confident. This is Mr. Ice in his veins. Um, This is his chance at redemption, kind of like Dennis Schroeder. I hope he just settles in and, He's got to hit his three-point shot, but outside of that, he's got to continue to find his way in the mid-range and find his way to stay aggressive. Yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have in terms of experience. Malik Beasley, as I mentioned, um, he's played with Denver, actually had a pretty good game in the playoffs last year in a win versus the Grizzlies. 23 points, five rebounds, two assists, four of 10 from three, so that's encouraging. We're really going to need Malik. against Minnesota. (laughs) Oh, dude, that was like rain in a five-year drought. You know, when he hit that shot, all of... All of Crypto.com let out a sigh of relief. So we're definitely going to need Malik Beasley to, yeah, shoot us back into games. Like It, shoot it us. reminded me of, like, going way back to when we first started watching, right, like, Lakers basketball of 
Brian Shaw will hit one three pointer, you know, <laughs> yeah. and he just finds himself open, but you, you trust it. And, uh, it, it might just be three points, but it was like very timely. So, uh, we know that Beasley is really, really hot and really, really cold. So hopefully yeah. he can keep that streak somewhere between lukewarm and hot. For sure. Now, are you worried at all? And I'll close on this. Are you worried at all about Dennis Schroeder? <sighs> Darvin Ham trusts him a lot. I made the playoff Rondo comparison before. That can go one of two ways. <laughs> um, <laughs> he has been to the playoff seven times. He's barely got out of the first round on his own accord when he started to make more of a name for himself. He averaged 24 points and 7.7 assists, though, in 2016-17 in the first round of the playoffs where they went six games, so that's encouraging. He's had a playoff game in OKC, playoff series in OKC, where it went seven games, where he had 17 points, 3.6 assists. I believe that was his sixth man of the year campaign year. So I'm interested to, in seeing how Dennis Schroeder can use the momentum from the Minnesota play-in game and snowball that into this historic Dennis Schroeder run, Alan, because he is looking for a contract next year and he can really bankroll some of the money that he lost in the last two or three years, you know? So any last thoughts on Dennis Schroeder? Yeah, I mean, what got him going again in that game against Minnesota was kind of like what you said about D'Lo, getting into that mid-range, um, just seeing some go down versus just chucking from three, uh, which is just a much lower percentage shot. You live with it, you die with it. Um, he got to the line yesterday. He hit one of those like 15 foot from the elbow type jumpers. And then he started to see the three go down and then he was more defensively engaged and it just kind of went from there. So, um, yeah, if he can approach it with that type of mentality versus just chucking, then I have a lot more confidence in him. But if you start to see him just shoot threes, (laughs) you know, uh, time after time, then that's when I start to get a little bit worried. Yeah, for sure. And then defensively, you know, I I brought up Vanderbilt on Morant, but I mean, Schroeder might be the best option against Morant. Absolutely. Because they're the same size and he can really pester Morant. And, you know, once you get these, like, I I don't want to call Morant high variance or maybe volatile is the word, like him and Dylan Brooks. Once you get these guys off kilter, you can really throw them off their game and all of a sudden they're elbowing you in the face and getting a flagrant foul right or they're in foul trouble too right so hopefully Dennis Schroeder can work some of his pesky magic on Morant as well and harass him and throw him off so yeah with that said we are excited to watch uh game one against the Grizzlies in Memphis Sunday noon game uh, it's gonna be wild but uh yeah buckle up the Lakers are gonna have a couple days rest throughout the series thank God because it's a little bit spaced out and hopefully they can utilize that to their advantage and it's gonna be fun to see them how they scheme against a team for seven games and whether or not we can overcome our fatigue buildup from this entire season. But yeah, here we go. Lakers playoff basketball, baby. So go Lakers, go, go. Uh, Alan, I will catch you after a playoff game. Hopefully we're still in it. But yeah, catch you later. If we listen to it. <laughs> nice throwback, a goofy movie. We got to beat Dylan Brooks and John Morant. These goofy, a goofy movie looking MFers, so. I'll see you later. All right, man. Peace. Bye.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.